0: Thanks for listening to the podcast from River's Edge Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information or to gather with us on Sundays, please visit our website at respokane.org. We hope this message is impactful for you and others as we pursue the way of Jesus together. Good morning, River's Edge. Matt Deason here, along with Coulter Batterton and Stephen Albion, who are going to help me with the podcast this morning. Another crazy week in this unprecedented global pandemic. Uh, As of last Sunday, we were still encouraging missional communities to gather in groups of 10 or less and to follow social distancing guidelines. And I got an awesome picture last Sunday Of One of our groups gathered outdoors in a park, sitting six feet apart from one another, everyone on separate blankets, uh, listening to the Sunday podcast and talking and praying for one another. Uh, But the very next day, the Washington state government implemented shelter in place, which means everyone is to stay home uh, unless you're going to a limited number of places. The grocery store, the doctor's office, uh, engaging in essential work. Uh, You can still exercise outside. And that's about it. Uh, And in my understanding, shelter-in-place is basically the end of small group meetings for the time being. So our restrictions have tightened further, only adding, I think, to this deep sense of disorientation uh, that most of us have been feeling. And in response, we've been thinking creatively about how to continue to equip and encourage one another as followers of Jesus. And one of the things we're doing on our end is starting a midweek podcast uh, purely as an avenue for processing this unique moment that we're in and thinking about how we can navigate and even flourish under these unique circumstances. So we released our first midweek podcast a few days ago um, and we'll release another one a few days from now. And my hope is that those will help us kind of reorient, readjust, and wake up to the moment that we're living in. Uh, I think far too many of us have sort of fallen asleep or become paralyzed under the circumstances. And church is meant to be so much more than that. So I'd encourage you to track with a midweek podcast if you can, as we kind of unpack and discover together what it looks like to flourish under the new normal and all the changes that the coronavirus has caused. Uh, That being said, one of the unique difficulties facing the church from an operational standpoint is finances. Uh, Roughly half of our giving happens in person during a gathering, and we won't have that avenue for the foreseeable future. So just a quick encouragement that if you've determined in your heart to give to the church, or you call River's Edge home, and you usually give in person, we'd encourage you to either give through the website under our Give tab, or if you prefer you can actually send your um, giving or or checks to our home address which we've also posted on our website Uh, and that giving will allow the church to continue to exist and operate. Uh, Because believe it or not, our operating costs are basically the same, whether or not we gather. And, And not only that, but we've been presented with some beautiful opportunities to help and support many of our partner churches around the world. And many of you know that we have unique relationships with our brothers and sisters in the Philippines and in South Africa. And as the coronavirus has affected the world, it particularly affects the world's poor. And uh, they're usually the first to lose their jobs and to find themselves in a rather desperate situation. And their countries uh, don't have the same wealth and support structures that we do. And so we've committed as a church community to backing them up and seeing this thing through. And we've already released funds to several of our partners in South Africa and in the Philippines, going above and beyond our usual support. And we plan to release more as needed to our partners around the world. Uh, So that's a quick snapshot of where we're at as a church and how we plan to operate in the coming weeks and months. Uh, Originally, I was supposed to be in South Africa this Sunday. And so uh, Stephen and Coulter were set to do a co-teaching on the practices of prayer and fasting. And so I've asked them to join me this morning and share some of those thoughts. Uh, But before we jump in, why don't we start by uh, just checking in and getting a quick update from each of you on your own experience of the last few weeks and how you're navigating all that's happened
1: yeah thanks matt honestly i think you stated it perfectly a couple minutes ago when you said disorientating it seems like it's been a whirlwind of news unwanted change and fear that has seemed to be running rampant through a lot of the world As for me personally, I was going to school over in Seattle Monday through Thursday to become a commercial diver so that I could get certified in underwater welding, burning, salvage, all the host of things that goes into doing stuff underwater. When this thing hit, it seemed to hit Seattle first in the U.S., so my school got canceled and almost immediately, um, and they say it won't start back up again until April 27th. Unfortunately, I can't even go to school online because it's a trade school and the why looks down upon people going to their pool and welding and welding for school credit. Um, so for the past couple of weeks, I've been sitting at home doing projects around the house, helping out some friends with their projects. But other than that, really, life kind of has to go on for me. So, Colter, what about you?
2: Yeah, for me, I have to say um, that my life has changed in almost every single way I can think of. Um, before this situation um, kind of went haywire... Um, I was working two different jobs, um, about 50 hours a week, and going to school full-time. On top of that, I had church events most nights, and then everything else that I enjoy to do. Um, And as a super extroverted person, um, I get energized by being around large groups of people and around friends, uh, which isn't allowed, um, which is why this has been a fairly difficult adjustment for me. Um, As I sat down to think about um, how my life has changed and kind of my new life right now, Um, I realized that I've not had this much free time since about summer in sixth grade. Um, And uh, yeah, it's just been interesting. Uh, But amidst all this uh, chaos and uncertainty, um, I found myself in such a state of peace and slowness, um, and my life has really become simple. Um, In the end, God is still good, um, and life will go back to normal eventually— Um, I will throw this out there. If anyone would like to pray or just wants to talk, uh, I have a lot of free time right now, um, and I would be happy to chat. Uh, But back to you, Matt.
0: Awesome. Thanks for sharing, guys. Um, Well, we are going to continue with some thoughts on prayer and fasting, which are two of the practices that Jesus talked about the most. And uh, if you remember, we're still in the midst of this series on practicing the way of Jesus and looking at his life as a model for our own. And um, the two of the practices that we'll be unpacking this morning, I think, as are as appropriate in this moment uh, as they've ever been. And in fact, the president of Ghana actually called for a national day of prayer and fasting this last Wednesday. In response to the coronavirus. And I'm sure many around the world are going to follow that example uh, to varying degrees and in different contexts. Uh, But, Stephen, why don't you kind of start us off with this uh, practice of fasting? How should we approach the topic of fasting as disciples of Jesus?
1: Sounds good. Thanks, Matt. I would like to start this time by reading from Luke 4, verse 1, where Jesus has been baptized by John the Baptist. And the Holy Spirit has descended upon him like a dove, and he is filled with the Holy Spirit. So let's read. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for forty days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. From there, Satan continually tempts Jesus in the wilderness, and again and again, Jesus denies Satan until he returns to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus began his temptation in the wilderness full of the Spirit and left the desert of temptation in the power of the Holy Spirit. Through fasting, Jesus found victory of the lies and deceit of Satan. With this really being the beginning of his ministry, he starts with fasting, acknowledging the fact that through it, strength and victory can be found. Now, oftentimes when we think of fasting, we think of it in one of two ways. The first is that it is something only healthy people do in order to capitalize on the function of our bodies and jumpstart our metabolism, or so they say. The other thought is often in regards to religious elite, the men and women of faith who fast for weeks at a time. In our Western world, we don't think about fasting as a way to bring honor to God. We have a list of other ways that are more quote-unquote logical or mentally stimulating we can read of all the theologians and their debates and practices meditate on the word of god and follow along with the newest worship team all of this is amazing it's a it's a it's a great way to draw closer to god or or create a closer relationship with our heavenly father we often don't consider discovery more of god's character through the practice of fasting but let us begin with the realization that this is a practice of jesus while being tempted in the desert and of countless others who, through fasting and prayer, moved God's heart to invoke revival, healing, and change in lives across the globe. Generally, when we try to fast food, or at least when I try to fast food, um, my true flesh is revealed. My stomach reminds me that I haven't eaten in five, ten hours, 2 days, or whatever amount of time has ensued. Instead of it being a reminder as to why we're fasting, we think about how much time is left until the fast is over and we can eat again. If done properly, fasting can act as a multiplier to prayer and that when we get our rumbly tummy, we immediately are reminded to get on our knees and pray again for our our lost sibling, a healing of a child or the protection over the world from COVID-19. Now, by no means is fasting a magic pill. It does not mean we get an immediate answer to our prayer or more, sp- more, more specifically, the answer that we are looking for. When we fast and pray, we come into conformity with the Father's plan. I listened the other day to a story of a man whose son was diagnosed with a brain tumor at 15 years old. As the doctors discussed with them um, the severity of this, and that they would have to do surgery on him or he, or he might pass in a matter of weeks, um, the Father's response to this was to pray and fast. Initially, as the man fasted, he prayed that his son was one of the good ones, that he didn't deserve death, and that God had made a mistake by allowing this tumor. As time and days passed, he began to pray that God's will be done regardless of the circumstances. And as the days turned to weeks, he prayed that his son was not fit for this earth, that God should take him to be with his heavenly Father. Eventually, the weeks passed and the surgery was completed with success, and the son lives a normal life. But the truth to the story is that oftentimes our prayers can be one-sided and oblivious to God's plan. But when we fast, we can come into alignment with whatever that plan is. John Calvin says this about fasting. Let us say something about fasting, because for many, for want of knowing its usefulness, undervalue its necessity, and some reject it as almost superfluous, while on the other hand, where the use of it is not well understood, it easily degenerates into superstition. Holy and legitimate fasting is directed to three ends. For you practice it either as restraint on the flesh to preserve it from sexual immorality and sin, or as a preparation for prayers and pious meditations, or as a testimony of our humiliation in the presence of God when we are desirous of confessing our guilt before him. As I said earlier, Fasting can be a multiplier of prayer. When we fast, we starve ourselves from our natural desires, giving up food, sugar, screen time, or whatever you're fasting in order that we may spend more time in prayer and meditation so that we may begin to understand just a little more of his plan, his design, and his sovereignty, character, and goodness. Lastly, I would like to talk about fasting for everyone, not just the perfectly healthy. Everyone and fast regardless of your dietary needs or restrictions. Fasting does not just have to be food, but it also be TV or phones, social media, sugar, or even our beloved caffeine. The time that would normally be used to eat, drink, watch, or zone out can be used to come into community with the Holy Spirit so that he may intercede on our behalf, Romans 8 verse 26, that Jesus may plead our case, Romans eight thirty four or that we begin to see the Father, and and he may show us the earth's foundations.
0: Job 38, verse 4. Back to you, Matt. Awesome. Thanks, Stephen. Um, Coulter, let's shift it over to you for a couple minutes. I tasked you with the very simple practice of prayer Uh, which is actually a massive concept in Scripture. Uh, Where do we even start with such uh, a massive concept, and how can we grow in this practice as disciples of Jesus?
2: Yeah, thanks, Matt. Um, Prayer is an aspect of the Christian life that is so essential to fostering a relationship with God. Um, We'll be picking up in Luke 11 in a few moments to see how Jesus teaches us to pray, Um, but before we do... Uh, I'd like to give a brief encouragement to each of you and um, to use this slower season as an opportunity to grow deep in relationship with the Father and through the disciplines we've been talking about. Uh, it can be difficult to find time to pray within our busy schedules, but one of the bright spots of these current times uh, would be that we have a beautiful opportunity to connect in a deeper way with God. Um, yeah. So as we dive into the scriptures, uh, let's keep that in mind. So, moving on, we pick up in the book of Luke, chapter 11, verses 1 through 13, which says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Wow. There's so much in this passage that could be talked about. What an incredible God we serve. A God who not only created a plan of redemption for us through his Son, but also a God who wants to give gifts to his children and to be in relationship with us. One of the best ways that we can grow in relationship with God is to pray. In the culture we live in, we tend to think of prayer as simply us asking God for the things we need. And, and prayer is a very broad concept that goes way beyond this, and there are a variety of ways that we can engage in conversation with God. Um, Here is a brief list of ways in which we can engage in relationship with the Father through prayer. Um, We have contemplative prayer, listening prayer, um, interceding, repentance, um, there's prayers of celebration and thanksgiving, um, and then there's asking God to move, um, whether um, it's in healing or spiritual warfare or miraculous provision, um, and that's just to name a few. The way we see Jesus pray in Scripture seems to be much different than the way that most of the Western Christian church not only practices prayer, but also the way it teaches us how to pray. In fact, I would argue that prayer is seen by most of us as something that we know is good for us, but that we do not truly enjoy. And if this is true, then prayer is like broccoli. We know that we should eat it because it's good for us, And all the really healthy people we know in our lives tell us that we should eat it too, and that they love to eat it. But too many people still think, why would anyone love to eat broccoli? And this is the way in which I think many of us approach prayer, and the people we know in our lives who love to pray. We all can agree that prayer is good for the soul, and for growing in relationship with Jesus, but we don't always find joy in it. Jesus shows us that one of the key elements to unlocking a life of fullness in God centers around each of us learning how to enjoy being with the Father in prayer. Early on in our series, we saw that the life of Jesus was rooted in the spiritual practice of solitude. I'm reminded of the time we see Jesus in prayer all night in the garden, waiting to go to the cross in the coming days. Jesus found the strength he needed to complete his task by first withdrawing somewhere to be alone and then engaging in communion with the Father through prayer. Now, this doesn't mean that Jesus was praying out loud all night. In fact, Jesus most likely had long periods where he simply sat in silence or listened or even thanked God for all that he had done. The point is that Jesus taught us how to pray by showing the strength he gained from these times. We are all called to step into prayer with God, not because we have to, but because we cannot imagine life without it. Many of you know our good friends from regions beyond Steve Oliver and Ray Lowe, and one of the things that has always struck me about the two of them is that they absolutely love to pray. Timing has never been an issue for them when it comes to pressing into what God has for them and for the people around them. I remember the first time that I was in South Africa um, and went to a prayer meeting in the morning before our conference. I was blown away when I heard that they had set aside over three hours of time for praying for one another. Three hours. I tended to get bored in about 30 minutes of prayer. And on top of that, they wanted me to pray over other people that I didn't know for that long. However, what came out of that time was that I was forced outside of my comfort zone and into a radical encounter with the Spirit and the people of God. Those three hours, which felt like three minutes, resulted in me having a newfound passion for prayer that has yet to go away. And and corporate prayer, or praying with one another, is one of the best ways to learn how to truly enjoy prayer. The reason I say that is because gathering together in fellowship helps us to focus on God and can increase our expectancy to see God move in real time. Scripture tells us that where two or more are gathered in the name of Jesus, Jesus is also there with us. Now at this point, I can hear some of you thinking to yourselves, okay, Coulter, I get that you're excited about prayer and that Jesus wants me to pray too, but I've tried praying before and I did not feel overwhelmed by the presence of God. Or, well, I've been praying about the same thing for years and God has still not answered my prayer. One of the things that God laid on my heart as I was preparing this message was the idea of persistence in prayer. As we saw in the passage out of Luke I read earlier, Jesus says that if we ask, we shall receive. But notice he doesn't give a time frame about when we will receive. And yet, he still tells us to ask. And in the parable of the persistent widow, he even tells us to ask over and over again. So if you're asking yourself those questions of why, my encouragement would be to keep praying. It might be an hour, 30 minutes, or even 10 minutes. Whatever time you can set aside to spend with Jesus will reap a harvest of abundance and relationship and will help you grow in every area of your life. When talking about prayer in his book, The Divine Conspiracy, Dallas Willard says this, Sometimes we must wait for God to do as we ask because the answer involves changes in other people or even ourselves. And that kind of change always takes time. Sometimes, apparently, the changes in question involve conflicts going on in the spiritual realm. Whatever the exact case, Jesus emphatically taught that we are to stay with our request. We stay with an issue until it is resolved one way or another. God is calling each of us to find joy in abiding in his presence and to come before him and grow in different areas of prayer, turning our fear and anxieties into prayer and setting aside real time to press into what God has for us.
0: Awesome thanks, guys. Well, I appreciate you both so much and all the thoughts that you um, kind of challenged us with this morning on prayer and on fasting. Uh, I think those are two practices that were so central to the life of Jesus, uh, so central to the church, especially in the in the early centuries. Uh, they were maybe two of the biggest disciplines and yet when we look at kind of our own lives and in the Western world. Um, uh, I, I could just really resonate with some of those things that you were saying that like we often're so intellectual that we don't really think about uh, like coming to God through our stomachs or fasting really being relevant it 's probably the least uh, um, utilized of all of the spiritual disciplines um, and yet it was central to Jesus in the early church and so I think there's like a huge kind of mental shift that we can have around fasting to really see that as a valuable way of um, accessing. Um, more of God, uh, and I know we've we've chatted before in the past about these disciplines and how really any spiritual discipline, but uh, these in particular, you can kind of relate to like working out in a gym, where um, like what what does working out do? Well, you do something that's within your power that then expands your capacity and gives you access to more power, uh, if that makes sense. And so in the same way that you could see that in a gym, like, oh yeah, I can't, I can't hit any of those marks now, but let me start by doing what's within my power, and it gives me access. I actually build myself up in the process and get access to more power. Uh, the difference is that with these practices, you're actually accessing the power and presence of God, uh, but you can approach them in the same way of saying, hey, it, as i engage in these it's going to actually strengthen me and give me access uh to a, a greater experience of god's presence and power uh and and all of that and so i think um both of these practices we have so many excuses as to why we wouldn't do them um and and yet they were central to the life of Jesus. And I think you guys both hit on this idea that in this moment, uh, in the midst of uh, the coronavirus uh, craziness and, and everything that's going on in the world, I think they actually become, there's actually a greater call to these things. I think there's actually a greater opportunity to to uh, practice them. And so we want to do that as a community. We want to learn to really settle in and enjoy uh, praying and uh, think about praying in, in, you know, oh, there's actually five, six, seven different ways that I can pray. And they should all be helping me connect with God in a way that's meaningful. So it's not just eating broccoli. It's not just a dull obligation. It should be a joy. Uh, And then a similar thing with fasting. I think there's this massive overhaul in our thinking in terms of, wait, what is that practice? Why is it important? Uh, How can it help me uh, shift my attention, my focus, my appetites, my experience into the presence of God? Uh, And then the last thing that we talked about as we were preparing the teaching is how it just makes perfect sense that these go hand in hand. Like in a sense, like, oh, you could make a series out of fasting and a series out of prayer. Uh, but Jesus often talked about them side by side, and we wanted to talk about them side by side because they play off of each other. And so we want to grow in our experience of that in the coming weeks and uh, in the coming months, and we're going to start this Wednesday. So we can't gather as missional communities. We can't gather on the Sunday, but we can still kind of do this together. And so this Wednesday... Um, we 're going to be fasting all day wednesday until until dinner time and really using that as a chance to um, refocus on God and to uh, have a greater experience of him and just to be to be pushed into prayer um, praying over our partners around the world really you can basically pray for the whole planet at this point and the effect of the coronavirus. Um, and I'm um, just lifting up people who are being affected by that, and even those who have just caved to the spirit of fear and anxiety. And we're going to be praying together as a community. So uh, this Wednesday, we'd invite you to pray and fast with us. We'll release our second midweek podcast, uh, hopefully Wednesday morning, and that might be something that you could listen to as an encouragement while you're um, praying and fasting. And we'll continue to... Uh, yeah, walk as a community, even though we can't gather as a community during this time. So I'm going to say a quick prayer for us, and uh, we'll end the podcast and uh, let you get back to whatever it is you were doing. So, uh, Jesus, we turn our eyes, our minds, our hearts, our attentions toward you, Lord, uh, and I pray pray that we wouldn't waste this time, that these coming weeks, these coming months, Uh, Even as uh, many people feel like, oh, the the sky is falling in a sense and uh, what world do we live in and what's going to happen next, Uh, Lord, would we be people who are just marked by your presence, who are marked by your calm, who are marked by your peace, uh, who aren't worried when the sky is falling because we're rooted in in, in the reality of God that's so much deeper than the circumstances around us. And uh, Lord, as we uh, try and grab hold of this new world that we live in and um, think about what it means to live intentionally with our time, I I just pray that um, you would stir a new habit in our hearts, of prayer and of fasting, teach us, Lord, in this time, uh, how to really uh, press in in prayer and to persevere in prayer and to enjoy it to settle into your goodness to experience your love and your grace and your presence, uh, to hunger and thirst for prayer, not as a oh begrudging I guess I have to eat broccoli, even though it's awful, but really um, would you would you shift our appetites to say, "Oh Lord?" I don't want to have a day go by where I, when I don't just I get into silence and solitude, or on my knees in my bedroom and just open up uh, my life and my heart before you. Would you stir a hunger in us for that? Uh, and speaking of hunger, Lord, would you would you stir this new practice of fasting that's almost disappeared in the Western world? Would you help us recapture it and see the beauty in it and see the way it kind of covered to cover in the scriptures, uh, especially in times of distress, people came in prayer and in fasting before you and asked for you to move in a tangible way. And may we be a community that does that. Um, and does that not not out of this sense of just driven by fear and anxiety and desperation, but would we come before you with just a sense of your goodness, your abundance, your provision, and would we uh, come out the other side of this, Lord, being rooted in some of these disciplines and uh, stronger than we ever were before. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.